Okay, Bishah Tova Mutzlachat. Today, I pray. What? I think there are more, yeah. Bezrat um, Hashem, today, what we're going to be doing is learning from Rav Weinberger about the Chiddush that we came about yesterday. The Chiddush in yesterday's teaching in the Eish Kodesh is mind boggling. It is something that needs to, uh, you could write volumes and volumes just on the basic concept of understanding what it means to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's just something else. I'll tell you the truth. When I saw Chevra, when I was younger, they were able to just sing Hashem's praises all the time. I didn't get jealous. I got angry. I got angry because I wanted to be like them. And like most people in this room who are much more naturally probably that, that probably uh, suffer from a certain form of depression at a certain point in life. Depression is, I wish that I wasn't like this now and I don't believe that I can't be like this now. And this is who I am. So, when I see someone who's able to mekalis, kilus, to praise Hashem no matter what, like the ten chiyuch dudes, right? Which, of course, in the, in, in, in the, in the world of Emes is true, but I don't have access to that. So it causes me to get, to get angry, right? But here what the Rebbe did yesterday to us was that he showed us that praising Hashem, which is something each person wants to do in his neshama, has many different forms. They have many, it comes in many different shapes. And that was the ikr of yesterday's chiddush that we saw by the Eish Kodesh, telling the Yidin in Poland, 1939. Now, I had to do a cheshban here. I didn't know what to do. Because to finish the whole text of it inside of the drasha, it would take us a few hours, because I know how we learn Eish Kodesh. We learn three lines and we're, you know... I mean, look, we, we, look, how, look, right, look, how, look how thin B'nai Machshava Tova is, right? We got through half the book in seven months. <laughs> so, and I'm happy. Hershey, you brought that up once, uh, the Indian. I'm happy about it as well. But I didn't want us to just say, ah, our last day of our Zman, and we didn't, you know, this guy, I wanted somewhat of a sikum, I would say, some, somewhat of like a saying, this is what we've done, or this is what we feel like we've gotten to. The piece we have in front of us is the rest of, of, the, of, of Rev. Weinberger teaching the Eish Kredish inside. But first, the first two pages is bringing yesterday's learning, ingraining it in us even more. I will very much encourage everyone to look through the rest of the Eish Kredish in Hebrew, the rest of the piece in Hebrew, uh, when you can. And you'll see that after learning it in English, when you learn it then in Hebrew, it'll probably be a little bit easier. Not easy, not very easy. But some degree of, of ease will come as well. Yes, you're sure. Yeah, I have a of question that I not expect to be answered now. I think you have a plan for the day. Yesterday you mentioned that the Ishkodesh was like the master of the times. He, he got the time, different times call from different interactions with the way Yeah. Um, I want to ask, what do you think is the relationship between us and the Kodesh Protocol right now? With our current 
in 30 time. seconds or less. <laughs> <laughs> to be dealt with at another time? Uh, um, it's your fault. Think about what you want to do today. And well, no, I mean, I mean, I really did. Uh, <laughs> but of course, you hear a question like that, and Noach is going to say that if I start teaching what I planned, I'm full of it. I'm, I'm so fake, right? <laughs> no, it's just that face of like, no, not at all. Don't use sarcasm as a defense Right, not you. Mine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I wrote out his, his sheer and edited it, yeah. And not to take it off that, has he seen it? No, not yet, not yet. You're asking his opinion. Not yet, no. But, but someone sent him, I, I think someone showed, showed him yesterday's shear, uh, two days, two days the, the first shear we did already of it. Um, not yet, not yet. It's, it's his words, not one word of here, I mean, just the grammar maybe is mine. Whatever but, it is. Um, wow, Yeshua. I think that so much of what happened to us mentally, as much as I know Jeremy and Armie are going to disagree, I think that there was some mental damage done to us in the ghetto that each of us is still figuring out, even though we weren't there. And even if we're not children of survivors or grandchildren of survivors, I think that it's still there. Why I disagree with that? Because when I said that the other day, so the, the response was, what do you mean? Look at us now. We're, we're, we're not in the ghetto. We're not, you know, we're all, we're, we're, it's a different world. Look at Am Yisrael today. Uh, when we were talking about slichas, I'm sorry, we're so nothing, we're nothing. Pardon me, my, my, my internal struggle of, of balancing this out, of trying to figure out who we are today as a people, is dancing in between the concept of, if I'm so free, then why don't I feel it? And if I've built such a country, and there's such a nationalistic pride, how come that's not really playing any role in my neshama? It's a nice thing that I see on the outside, but with all the freedom that I have, why do I still feel like there's the equivalent of a German standing next to me with a, with a, with a, with a, with a gun to my face? So I think that, that, and that's why I think we, each of us can still so much connect to the words of the, of the tzaddik. But I think that now we have room to breathe in what he's saying without the pressure of understanding in the moment, which has its you know, benefits and its, and its minuses as well. So I think that a lot of this is still very much here, uh, mentally, without, without a doubt. And I think that when the real tzaddikim spoke, it was nevuah ledoros, it was, it was prophecies for generations and generations to come. That's in a nutshell. But I think, it, I think your question is beautiful. I think it's great. And I think it's something that tzarech you, big time. But I, I appreciate you asking it. Okay. Part two. L'chaim. According to what we just learned, aside all the beautiful songs we sing to Hashem, because we feel the presence very strongly, all of our screaming, all of our crying, is a sign of us being aware of the closeness. This is, this is Chazring a little bit yesterday. All these feelings are the result of the revelation of Malchus Shemaim. Our souls sense his closeness, and it brings a good feeling of fear. And there's a natu natu natural sense of pachad due to what one's bad actions have been. So again, first I have to be a normal, healthy, healthy human being to have the ability to approach Hashem. That goes back to the Taina saying to Hashem, 
lo hamesim you want to keep us here and, and, and you want to send us to Auschwitz? You're not going to have someone that's going to be able to approach you. So first, I have to be a normal, healthy human being. In order to have this ability to approach God, I have to feel that He will work with me. We can work it out. That's a great, that was a great song, right? Beatles. Beatles, we can work it out. I'm not being crushed by my suffering. I can get up, I can talk, I can breathe, I can serve Him. Working on Yiras Hashem means I accept I am subject of Melech Malche Amlochim. Now everything we do during this time of the year is a revelation of Hashem's kingdom. We are expressing our belief in this Malchus and to receive his Malchus. Even the personal requests that we make, they change. It's less about what I thought I wanted about myself. The Iker is about Malchus Hashem. Jeremy, this is relating to what you and I spoke about. When I enlist and am part of Malchus Hashem, my own personal needs are elevated. The same way a hungry soldier acts, it's not so much about his own hunger, it's about the Malchus, meaning the soldier is in a battlefield. And he's out there and he has to do something, right? But he's starving. Does he eat because he's starving or does he eat because a job needs to get done? The mentality of a soldier is that even if it's a personal need, the bigger picture is that he eats so that the job can be done. That's what, the, that's what the Rebbe is saying to us over here as well when it comes to justifying, asking for personal needs. But this is all to the degree that we enlist and sign up. That's the whole chap here, though. Again, that's the chap. That's the, that's the kapa that he doesn't let us fall into. He's saying, you can ask Hashem for the most smallest things in the world if you're a soldier, if you enlisted. You hear so my personal needs are to survive as someone who plays a vital role in your malchus. I love that line. I love that line. That was Rav Weinberger's line of explaining how the Ish Kaidish explains to us the, the, the beauty of someone asking for the tzarachim pratiim of the personal needs. Amazing. My personal needs are to survive as someone who plays a vital role in your malchus. Chazal are not so happy with people who have personal needs. But if I'm a Kabbal, then it's no longer about my personal needs. Therefore, we can ask Hashem to take care of our personal needs because that itself is an expression of Kabbalah's Om Malchus Shemaim. That was yesterday's Chiddush, part of yesterday's Chiddush. The urgency I feel at this time of the year means I believe in the Gilui of Malchus Hashem. This is a form of praise that we recognize the Malchus. Okay, recognizing the Malchus manifests also through crying and saying, Ayah! That's recognizing the Malchus. Because where am I directing the Ayah to? To the king. Why? Ki imcha aslicha. Ki imcha Malchus. Because it's only by you. And that's what the Rebbe is telling us. He's never hidden. This itself is a sign that a person can make for himself. When a person like this looks inside, he doesn't try to make any excuses. We just had this concept come up very strong in the women's shir. There was a, this, um, there's a fant- We've never had a crowd, crowds like this. It's, it's very interesting. This year, as it's every women's shir has been about 25 to 30 women. It's very, very interesting. There's this fire that you can feel sense in the air. Right now, this is what came up about this Indian of... And I said, this is actually what we're learning in the men's shir. The place to come to when I stop putting blame on anybody for anything, is not just freedom, 
but it's mamish becoming a ben melech. Now, I, we, I said this in the women's shi, I'm trying to develop it now. What does Hashem do with people that take full responsibility? He, he says, through you will be Mashiach. Because Mashiach has to own. <coughs> Who are the two people that sinned and took full responsibility? Yehuda and David Amalekh. That line. It's a messianic line. That place of saying, I'm taking full responsibility. I sinned. I, of course I can come up with legitimate excuses for anything else. <coughs> but this is me. I did it. So when a person like this looks inside, he doesn't try to make any excuses. He confesses every single sin he has done. And everything brings him anguish over his sins. He is upset with himself for having sinned against Hashem. How am I going to mamlich Hashem upon myself? Not only that, he feels tremendous strength. He wants to accept upon himself all Malchus Shemaim for the entire year, even for his personal needs. Remember we said that yesterday. You could set, it, you could set this out for the rest of the year too. And saying, this year, I'm going to be a Yid. That's what, that's what Kabbalah's all Malchus Shemaim means for the rest of the year. And, and I think one of the places to meditate, one of the things to meditate on during Tefillah's Nila is that you mekabel all Malchus Shemaim for the whole year. You're saying, Hashem, this year I'm going to be a Yid. Pashat, I'm going to be a Yid this year. It's so important to remember, it's important to remember who he's talking about and, to, and, and, and where the Rebbe was saying this. Sorry about that typo. And where the Rebbe was saying this. The world was falling apart. It was the beginning of the end. 1939, Rosh Hashanah. The Rebbe is assuring the, them, the Yidin there with him, that the fact that you are turning to Hashem is, that a, is a fact that you believe in His Malchus. The fact that you feel tzabrachin, that means uh, distraught, broken, over your sins, entitles you to ask for money, <coughs> for food, for the basic needs. Because that itself is Kabbalah's own Malchus Shemaim. I want to read that line again to make sure I, I read that correctly. Or I wrote that correctly. The fact that you feel tzabrochen over your sins entitles you to ask for money, for food, and for the basic needs. Because that itself is Kabbalah's Olam Ha'chus Shemayim. Is Kabbalah's Olam Ha'chus Shemayim, is it, well, okay, we have the mitzvot, that's clear. We have to receive upon us ourselves the mitzvot. But is it, isn't it also saying, I, I receive upon me the mitzvot? I mean, Malachut Shemayim, their reality, our reality, whatever it is, we're dealing with different things. And it's one thing to say, okay, I'll get the mitzvot. It's another thing to, to acknowledge the reality and say, everything is coming from you. Which is when I think of the hamlacha, of, of the creator of the universe, and it's creating all the time, it seems like there, there, there are two parts. I see. I see this one. I see maybe there's two, two subparts, but it's one picture. I don't think. I don't think that there's a stira between the two at all. I'm just. I'm trying to deal with the stira of just thinking about the reality is. I also I can't go from my memory. I know what happens with this, which is probably the, the most crushing thing in the world. It's the reason why I personally stopped learning this ten years ago, and why he also stopped learning this. It's because we know what happened to him too. Yeah. True. That's really your question. Yeah. yeah. So say it. Say exactly what. Say exactly what you're saying. I, 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 
now I realize all my questions. We're reading this and we're being inspired by this. Um, and we know God didn't listen to their prayers. We know what? No, said. We know we know God didn't. We know he listened. We don't we know God. We don't understand God's response to their prayers. We don't. Uh, yeah, we know. Wait, wait, wait. That's a huge diuk. That's what, that's what enabled me to go back to the Ishkaidish, what he said. Yeah, so say it again. Just don't understand the Kharsh Prophet's response. Yeah. His response was clear. Yeah. And, and if we think for a second, unfortunately, that every single person in the Warsaw Ghetto, including the Ishkaidish, didn't understand what their eventual reality would be. They were, it, they've been hurting people out of the ghetto, never to be heard from for a while at this point. No, this is the beginning. This, this, 1939. 1939. 1939. This is the beginning. No, but hold on. It wasn't exactly all yeah, shabby before then. Right. 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 And at this point, his wife was already dead. His son was dead. His father was killed by a bomb. So his, at this point, he. No, 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 no. Not yet. Not yet. The son is, is on. That's Sukkot. So, 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 so. So Not yet, his but wife, his wife, his wife yeah. But it's it's already it's already and very bad. The, the, it's bad already. He knew it was bad. Right. He was still saying it. He said it to the. But what did he say? That's why I love him. That's why that's that's why we feel so connected to him, because he wasn't saying it's all good. He's saying you could be you could be makabel Omar. Thank you. He said kabbalas Omar chushmaim doesn't just mean everything is good. It means. I don't understand it, but I know you're king. Yeah, it's like <clears throat> if last week when we were in Shoshanat, we got the um, second day, we were reading the Kedat Yitzchak, and how does it end? And he, and he put his son on his back, and he, and he finished the job. That's like... If you stop a few psukim early, it says that. Yeah, I'm, right. Saying, I'm seeing so this imagining an alternate reality where that's the end of the kingdom. That's basically. Achi, go, 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 go before that. Take the last parsha of the Torah and take out the last pasuk. Vais atzev Hashem alibay vainochem ki nichamti ki asitim. Nichamti means Hashem regrets creating the world. Ah, wait a second. Venoach matzachin beinay Hashem. World continues to exist. Here, it's true. Here there wasn't a Venayach Matzachin Bein Hashem, so to speak. So is your Shaila saying, are we supposed to receive any inspiration from, from, from this? Is it, does it make any sense, basically, you're saying, to, to receive any inspiration from this? That's a great question. What do you guys think? If we know the outcome of this, is it, does it make any sense to receive inspiration? Yeah, because even in their state, this Jack story yesterday... Yeah. They saw Hashem was with them even in their state, and they were still crying out to Hashem. Had the Ishkodesh known the outcome, would he have changed any of the words they wrote? I doubt it. The invitation that he gave in the B'nai Machshavat was to imagine yourself walking yeah. into the Mokid, and that you're walking into Gan Eden. Right. Meaning, in some ways, thank God, at least he had Emuna. At least he had that. At least he was already right. preparing for right. such bad times. He was already preparing, for, like he was already like living right. in Gan Eden in this world. Without Thank that, you so what would they have? Yeah. Yeah. At least that. Without a Rebbe, what were they? What were they? Where were they? And we went through that visualization, and that was written before the Germans. I mean, things were still schwach, but not. He was. He said, voluntarily put yourself over there. Rabbi Yechti wanted to say something. I think that, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not mistaken. I think the Eshkodesh continued the same. 
Hashem was in minutes before he was killed. Absolutely. And he felt like following Hashem's plan regardless. Absolutely. Like, uh, like I said, this is the office of Hashem. And this is, if, if this is the Gezer, this is the decree he wants it. Right. And of course, all the, the Kedosh Hashem got to a level that the Gemara says, they don't even, there's no Musag where they got the highest, the highest level of Ganev. But he knew that, the, I mean, the same, the same shmus that he gave Mamish minutes before. Minute, was, it only gets more intense. Knowing, knowing what you have. Yeah, yeah. More, the more that the news was coming back from where everyone's were leading to. Printed, right? People who survived. Absolutely. They prepared them for, for the Kiddush Hashem. Yeah. Yeah, in the you, camp. You know, there are things that Rabbi Nachman wrote, I think more for our times than for his. One of them was, he said, I don't understand people who say they don't believe in Olam Haba. He said, I don't believe in Olam Hazet. <laughs> <laughs> there's Olam Haba and there's this world which is Gehilo. Where is Olam Hazet? <coughs> and that's what we were talking about on Rosh Hashanah is that it's such an interesting thing we're begging for life but the merely means I'm begging to continue to live in a world of Sheker that's right <laughs> so why would anyone voluntarily ask to stay in Olam Sheker it's like the elite units in the army the one that's like a, a suicide mission they say who's a volunteer everybody raises their hand right I mean that's the do they sense. yeah the elite to but do we, do we know anything else other than that? What was the answer to that, Shlomo? What was the answer to that question? Or what was like the... You, you, you were here in Shul for the Drasha. It was that we're asking Hashem that while, we're, he, while you sent us here for whatever reason it is, allow us to schlep down Emes into this world of Sheker. It's true. This is Olam Sheker. This is a world of illusions. And it's hard. It's hard here. If I'm Give me Chaim to bring down Emes into a world of Shekel. That's what the Rebbe empowered all of us to do. Push it. The pre- previous Belgian Rebbe of Ireland lost everything. Right. Yeah, killed 26 um, family members that were all killed. When he came to tell him that his special, special holy son Ramosha was killed, he said, Baruch Hashem, I also donate something as a carbon for Hashem. Then when he was sitting together after his brother, so people came to be Menachem all the time, called say, Ramachim Menachem, you should never know of any tsar. He said, no, 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 I never had tsar in my life. Hashem never gave me any tsar in my life. He was, whoever knows, he wasn't playing. Whatever he said was, he said, don't say, you should never know of tsar because Hashem never gave me any, he never gave me any tsar in my life. We don't understand what that means at all. Well, it's equivalent to wishing someone an early demise. That you should die before anyone near you or dear right. to you dies. You, know, you shouldn't have any more time. Do you know what, what does it mean? Do you guys know what Rav Gavriel Sasson said at the funeral of his seven children? Kvasim b'nei shanat mimim The Russian is Shiva kvasim b'nei shanat mimim. So let's go back inside. This time of the year, we cry out for our personal needs more than any other time of the year. 
The Rebbe brings a parable to a son of a king who was taken captive amongst terrible people. This is still what we did yesterday. People who were torturing him. Somehow it became known to him that his father is nearby. He began crying out bitterly, Save me, Abba, save me, my king. Because he somehow felt his father was nearby. The fact that he is screaming more than ever is a simon that he feels the presence of the king. This is what the Rebbe is telling the Yidin in the ghetto. And the additional broken heart a Yid feels over his tzaras, over those he loves, over Yidin, that pain is a sign that Hashem is near. But that is true if a person's years Shemaim is getting stronger. That's, that's the game here. That's like this game of back and forth that it's dependent on that. Now during the entire year, everyone is always trying to do tshuva. But what's the difference about Rosh Hashanah? The volume. The sound of the shofar is a different volume. But it wasn't just, remember we said, it's not just the sound of the shofar. There are feelings that are so deep and intense that I can't possibly put into words. That is the sound of the shofar. That's what we spoke about in Har Herzl by the Kivrei Tzadikim and the Chayalim, where we learned the piece from Ritzad HaKakoyin about Kala de lo Yishtama, that the Neshama reaches a place of, like Rav Nachman's calls, Ze'aka Sa'ilim, or Ze'aka Sa'dmama, the scream of silence, where it's, you can't even, you can't even verbally, or, or from your mouth, you can't even make a noise, you can't express a, a level of sound, anything you're actually feeling inside. Kid falls, he gets really hurt, and then they're <clears throat> quiet. Oh my God! My Javi, my th- my third daughter, is the queen of that, and we oh, she's passed out from that silence. The moment of she, ah! and then we run, start hitting her on her back. Right, we always do this right away. Make the sound, make the sound, make the sound. One time she, she mom, she's crazy. She turns green. It's there. Not only by tkiyas, but in general, there is a sharpness and intensity in Rosh Hashanah that you don't really feel the entire year. That intensity comes out in every part of davening. Also, when we ask from personal needs. All of that is because we feel how close our souls are to Hashem. What was going on in the air? Meaning then. After the war, the Satmar Rebbe in Rosh Hashanah, 1945, began screaming and davening, Higalena, Higalena. We know that you're here. We know that you're here. You haven't left us. Reveal yourself to us. And the Kahal started screaming and crying with Baisakni. These were people that lost everything. So he goes back inside and he says, Since Hashem enters deeper into our lives at this time of year, it's the same way as the prince who was being tortured. Normally the king is further away in the palace. But the cry becomes desperate because we know that the king is out of his palace. This is the way to cry out to Hashem on Rosh Hashanah and also during the Seresim Yitzhuvah and Yom Kippur. And also for the afterwards in the Seresim Yitzhuvah. Chazal tell us that when Yedav and Shmona one should not hear his own voice. But there is more leeway in terms of raising one's voice during Shmona and Yantiv. Because when the king is next door, outside the room, you can't hold back from raising your voice. My father's here. Mamish by the other side of the door. The screaming itself, the tkiyas itself, are an action of Kabbalah's Omachus Shemaim. Again, just recognizing one word, Behimotzo. He's found now, like we learned from the Sikha of the Rebbe. What's that? A it's a find. You're going to scream because when you, get, when you find a bargain, you scream. 
the more you're desperate, the more difficult it is to hold back. When a person is davening in Rosh Hashanah the same like he's davening the whole year, it means he's just as removed as he is the whole year long. If you don't scream and cry out, it's a sin that you don't feel like your father is nearby. But if there is a tumult in your davening, that crying itself is an expression of my belief that the king is here and he is my father. He brings a mashal from his father. When the prince began going away, this the Rebbe brings a, a mashal from his father. When the prince began going away from the way his, of his father, the king, and he became involved with the lowest people, the ministers of the king, came with claims on the prince. And the main claim they had to him, to the king, was that not only is his son ignoring his Abba's covered, and he's not increasing his father's covered in the world, he has gotten so mixed up with his own shtus, he doesn't even recognize his father anymore. The king hears this, and his son is thrown out of the palace. And he is taken by people who are disciplining him. She begins to become shaken up. He's shaken up a bit, thinking of his pain, and starts to think about how much he, didn't, he did not obey his father. And he starts kvetching. How do you want me to serve you if my hands are broken? My heart is filled with worry and pain, and my head is covered in wounds. So who, so who is he saying that to? To his Abba. To his Abba. So I'm wondering here if he, what he means is that the Yidin in the Holocaust that are looking around themselves and are wondering, what, what on earth could have brought this onto us? What on earth could, could we have done? So, they, they, so the Rebbe is kind of saying to them, like, let's just bring that back, let's flip it again to Hashem and say, you really, if the point was to get our attention, well, you got it, but you can't really connect to us, Hashem, when our hands are still tied. It's better than the cry saying, we don't deserve this, we don't deserve this. Fine, fine, I get it. Right. We're wrong. I get it. Aval. Now what? That's what he's saying. Okay. There are still advisors of the king who are working against me. So what are they, what are they saying? What do they say back to the king? Ah, he's not crying because he's sincere. He doesn't recognize the greatness of his father. He's just screaming because he's in trouble and he's in physical pain. He's only screaming, Abba, Abba, because he's in physical pain. And they bring a proof for this claim. Now, who's they? Who's the advisors? The Mekatrigan. All those voices that are against us in Shemaim saying, you see, Hashem, it was a mistake. You gave the Torah to human beings. It was a mistake. We were right. Look what happens. They bring a proof for this claim. This prince pays attention. He takes note and follows whatever is good for him. When he's with the other guys, he goes along with them. But now that he's in pain, he's calling to Hashem. That's what they say to him. That's what they say, ah, he's in his own, he's, he's messed up now. So now he's crying because, of, because, of, because he has no one else to hang out with. And because of these claims on him, he remains in his bad place. The mashal continues. One time the king was passing by the room where his son was being held. And it wasn't during the time of him being beaten. He actually had some yeshavadas, the son. And his son began crying, I'm in pain. I have nothing to eat. Bring me back to you. And he was screaming with such a voice that the whole place was shaking. The father ran in and brought him back. 
The advisors were upset with the king. How could you fall for this? There is no Kabbalah Samalchus. That's what the advisors say. Because according to the Makatreg, this is not a form of Kabbalat Ol Malchut But the whole point that we've been learning is, it absolutely is. The king starts screaming at his advisors, which is Kivyachal, what happens on Rosh Hashanah. Hashem to the Makatrim, you're wrong. It's only because you hate my son. If you pay close attention, you'd hear in his voice that he does remember me. He wants to be with me. He is screaming to me because he knows that I'm the king and it's up to me. He's trying to do tshuva. He is screaming because of Akaras HaMalchus. So what the Rebbe is saying to the Yidden in the war is that there may be Mekatrigim that are coming and saying that the Yidden who are crying to Hashem now, it's only because they're in pain. But it's not about Malchus Hashem. I think there also may be voices inside their own heads saying like, am I really calling out to Hashem right. or is it because I'm so Absolutely. miserable now? Right, right. Bechlet. Million percent. Is it intentional that you wrote the Karas Malchus and not the Kabbalah Malchus? It's, I, I didn't write it. I, I, mean, I, is I, it intentional that he wrote it? Because they're different things. One is Kabbalah, one is accepting, and one is recognizing that, that it's there. He says, so, so that's good. We learned that Hakara is Kabbalah. That's what we learned. Okay. Right? In other words, that, that if we do that, then if we're in fact... That's what it means. That, that's the meaning of the word. Even though Kabbalah is a verb, Hakara is a verb that, leads, that, that kind of leads you to a consciousness. As accepting, as, as uh, taking on the yoke. Like, Hakara Samach is not necessarily Kabbalah's old Malchus, right? That's exactly, that's the point of this Torah, is that we usually say that it's not the same. And here he's saying, how else can Yidin Makabul old Malchus Shemaim in the ghetto? It starts with Hakara. Who am I kvetching to? Who am I kvetching to? That's what it is. So what the Rebbe is... Um, okay, the Nimshal is understood. Second to bottom paragraph. Each and every one of us is Hashem's child. Hashem created the whole world for us. Everything that's happening in the world is for us. Hashem takes pride in Am Yisrael. At a certain point something went wrong and we went away from Hashem. The angels started claiming on us that we don't think at all about Malchus Shemaim. That's the taina of the, of the Makatrigim. Not, it's, it's not that, look, they're sinners. That's not, they, that's, they don't think they're going to get God by saying, look, they're sinners. They think they're going to get God by saying, they, don't, they even forgot about you, Bichlal. They forgot about you, Bichlal. There's no Malchus Shemaim by them at all. So look what, he, look what Rav Weinberger does now. By the destruction of the base of Migdash, it says about Yidin that they turned to wood and said, You are my father. And to a stone, to a stone you have given birth to me. Rabbi Lichter, what's the Lashon in uh, Lashon HaKadosh? This, this, what is he saying? Omer the Eitz, Avi Ata. Omer the Eitz, Avi Ata. Omer the Eitz, Avi Ata. Omer the Eitz, Yeah. Hashem said, They turned their backs to me. But when things started getting back, they, when things started getting back, they come crying to me. Therefore, Hashem destroyed the base of Migdash, and He threw us out into the Gullus, and we're being tortured. And we feel that pain of Gullus. We begin to cry out again to Hashem. Oh, it hurts us. There's so much missing in our lives. Why are we so far? Can you bring us back to you? 
But the Mekatrigim don't sit still. They still claim against us that we don't really recognize Hashem as king. They're not giving themselves over to Malchus Shemaim, the angels say. We got used to saying words like Abba, but it's not real. It's just like habit, by the way. That's a heavy line, right? Baruch Atah Hashem. If we actually didn't say that out of habit when we said a bracha, we'd be... <coughs> That's what he's saying. He's saying, Yidin are saying brachas Hashem. Yidin are still saying brachas. They're saying Baruch Atah Hashem all day long. But it's out of habit. It's not because there's a hakara of this old Malchus Shemaim. That's what the Makachreg is saying. But isn't that a good habit? <laughs> that's what Hashem... That's kind of what the answer is. That's exactly... That's the beginning of the answer, yes. Habit's okay, but we can't forget what, what's underlying it. I think that's what the Makachreg is saying. They have the habit and they don't really know what, why they're doing it. Do you think they're saying they're... Right, but Avi's saying a worse habit to have is to not even say Baruch Atah Hashem. Right. right. If that's our default, that's pretty good default. Right. But, but that but sounds like the Evan. Of course. Of course by the Evan, yeah. 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 I'm saying if that's the, the default, the that's, that's right. baseline. It's still good to the Evan. Oh, of course, Bediyeved. I mean, he's saying that Bediyeved, nothing versus saying Baruch Atah Hashem without the best kavana. What would you take, right? But if we say Baruch Atah Hashem a hundred times with no kavana, there's a good chance that three or four times we'll have a moment there, which maybe that's us. maybe that's the beginning of the response to the Makatra again. Yes, I'm saying yeah. But Could do we be. also learn that there's like two levels of like davening? There's like you dominate the spell, sort of like checklist, but like you, I think most right. people forget, I forget you mentioned yeah. this. And then there's another level where you get, it's like a higher level of being acute, and you can speak up. Right, that's why, the, that's why the mind said this kitcher from the angels never doesn't stand. Hashem, Hashem silences it. Or we silence it with Hashem, with the tears of the shofar. Those noises cancel it out. If Yahadu just deteriorates to meaningless rituals and gobbledygook. Pick up the glass and you say quack, 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 blah, blah, blah. Have you done anything? It's just meaningless rituals and gobbledygook. You know, have you done anything? The Mekatri the, the game are not entirely wrong. No, you still have. You've done, you've done a lot. You actually, but that, that's, that's an important Nakuda. Why have you still done something? Because had you not done that, Nothing would there. Because There'd Hashem be there. said, there's stuff to do. Hashem, that's the Torah, that's where it was. That was the Torah of Nadav and Avil. Right, the Svasemis and Pasha Shmini. Very good. That's a Givalt. Why, Ari, why have you still done something? Because Hashem said so. Hashem didn't say, Lama Tokim, Rachmana Amar. You guys saw in the Gemara. Right? So That's our Torah Shabbal Peh, right, right. So you do have something. It's, it's nothing close to what the Neshama really wants <laughs> at all. The Neshama looks at that and cries also with the Mekatrigim, maybe a little bit. Kasher Tziva Hashem is a very big, is a very high level. I hear the Mashal, the Ben is more red by man, it's like Avshalom, trying to... It's totally weird. We're saying, so we're not saying with the full heart. Exactly. At least there's yeah. that. At least there's that. Right. It's not rebellion. Yeah, I don't totally. think it's if it's rebellion, we wouldn't be saying it. Right. Or worse, just 
Sivanu. Yeah? We understand this on a, on a parent level. Personally. Yeah. Like, see if you want your yeah. kid to make his bed every morning. Like, that's what you do. You make your bed. And of course, you want him to be like, Abba, I love to make my bed because you asked me to. It's such a great thing. Fine, that would be really nice. <laughs> It'd be beautiful. Right? <laughs> but if they get up and they make their bed, even if they're like, I don't like to make, even if they're right. like, I don't even like right. to make my bed, but I'm yeah. making because my Abba asked me to, that's still something to you. Or that I even forget my father told me to, but I do it. Yeah. Or not even you. Just becomes home. I'm not home. I just about to say. My parents. My kid comes home and has a 87, right? Are we looking down and saying where are the other 13 points? I don't do this, parents. I'm not judging anyone who does. But you're excited, so you work so hard. Well, it's our pattern of you. You continue to work better. Not Moshe's for Tara. You're gonna go up to Shemayim and he's gonna say. You should have got a hundred. You should have got You guys are talking about the details. What yeah. if your kid comes home and he just goes and plays basketball and doesn't acknowledge you? What if your kid comes home? Yeah. Period. What if your kid uh, doesn't come home? That's the question. Right. Rip Shlomo once gave the greatest musr during a, during a concert. I told you this many times. Where he said, you know, his, his thing, 70s, he was talking about children. He became a father in 1974. He, he was talking a lot about Kedusha Siladim, holiness of children. So he said, you know, he sang this once, he said, you know, I have friends that always clutch to me so much, their children keep them up at night, crying and screaming every single night, wondering when am I going to get one night of peace. So I always tell these parents, one day you'll be praying, crying and screaming, Hashem, why don't my children come and scream to me anymore? Because they're not even going to come to you anymore when they're crying and screaming. Kidding me? So back in the text, we got used to saying words like Abba, but it's not real. It's just by habit. We go to shul. But is there a feeling of Abba? We got used to kvetching. It's like having professional wailers at a funeral. They, you know, they used to have those... What are they called? Mekoninos, Right? Mekonanus, professional wearers at a funeral. So the accusers, last page, the accusers tell Hashem, they're only calling out to you now because it's Rosh Hashanah. Only now it's Amalek. But they usually call out to everything that is Asr. This, this historical thing is really messing with my head. Yeah. But I think, I think Jeremy hit it like he's saying to them, you you you're going through a self kitchrig inside. Well, I'm not saying even the, the, I can I can't even say put aside 1939. Even the idea that the Kategor is up there, saying connecting us to the Yidden from the time of Chorban Abayas, that is that's a huge that's a heavy against us. But I guess that's the that's the work to bring Mashiach is such it's. Work. No, it's a tikkun of a root canal. every. Yeah, it's a root canal. It's meaning it's Mamash. it's the it's everything. Yeah. <clears throat> the Rebbe was talking at the time to those who were maybe leaving Yiddishkeit. It was not because they don't believe in Hashem. 
They were just following the flow, going along with everyone else. They didn't want to be considered old-fashioned, so they go along with the flow. Right? The Rebbe, what was the Rebbe maybe referring to? Maybe he was talking to very from Yidin who came to the Rosh Hashanah Russia, right? And he's saying to them, don't think for one second that maybe because those that looks like they went off the derech, that, the, that, that they are the reason why we're in this mabul. Because it can easily justify it on them. If you're looking for reasons why you're in hell, they're also one Hashem. They just, Imamish, it, it's such a, like a, it's such a limutzchus way of, of looking at, at the Metzius there. Comparing ourselves to the matzav of our parents and grandparents, their matzav was much better. On what level, by the way? When he says this here? Assimilation? One level, yeah. yeah level, on a very, like, yeah. However, if our souls during this time, now, truly feel that Hashem is here, and that's why we're trembling, and we feel it so deeply from the depths of our hearts, all the davening, the shofar blowing, the tshuva, the mouths of all the angels against us are shut. The Rebbe says, when you allow yourself to cry to Hashem, with, without even going to the cheshbon, am I worthy to cry to Hashem or not? You shut the mouth of the makatra right away. That's it. That's what really happens. Because Hashem says, look, I showed you. I told you. Right? He went in and grabbed them. Nothing. They're done. Absolutely. This is the sign that we do accept his malchus, we feel his presence. He is calling out to the Yidin not just to think about the suffering, but to feel a connect to Hashem, and that they really are doing tshuva. Even the personal requests we are making is a sign that we really do recognize the kingdom of Hashem. Because like, Yidin, maybe the real Ehrlich Yidin were saying, we don't even have the opportunity to do tshuva in the ghetto. So how are we even alive? So he's saying, you are doing tshuva. You are doing tshuva by each kvetch, by each cry to Hashem, it's tshuva. This is what makes Rosh Hashanah so unique and sharp, because we feel the revelation of Malchus Hashem. The Zayar uses different languages of tefillah. The strongest one is tzaka. Like it says in Eichat, tzaak libam el Hashem. This is the closest to Hashem when you can't hold yourself back. And this is why we say before the tkiyas, these psukim. That's how we started the whole drasha, right? Do you have the... Who has the actual text? No, no, no. The two psukim that he chose. It's in the, it's in the first... In this drasha, Rosh Hashanah, he chose two psukim to start the drasha off with. Here it is. No, no, no. no. It's, not, it's not one of the psukim. It's just the two psukim out of the seven that he chose. Koli shamata al talem oznecha l'ravchasi l'shavasi. Okay, so now what, what, is, what is the Baal really saying? What is he saying when we say those psukim before an atkiya shofar? Koli shamata, you heard my voice. Al talem oznecha l'ravchasi l'shavasi. Hashem, hear that I'm mekabel ol malchus shemaim through every type of bakasha that I have. We're asking Hashem, reminding Hashem to hear kivyachol, reminding. We're asking Hashem, hear that everything I'm kvetching for is a gilui of your malchus in the world, even if it's pashat mundane things. Why? Because I've enlisted. And when I've enlisted, it means I'm a soldier in the war. And even though 
I'm hungry because I need to eat. I'm only hungry. I, why do you why do you need to eat? So that you can continue the battle. Hashem, I'm calling out to you from the terrible place that I'm in, the Meitzar. Answer me from the Merchav. We feel that you're with us. We want to mekabel o malchus shemaim. You will be able to hear us in our voices. That my davening is different than usual. I'm blowing the shofar, which is an expression of things I can't even say. We mekabel your malchus, and therefore we say, Al talem Do not be deaf to my begging you for salvations. My cries are real. My, are real. My cries are proof that I know you are here. That is the Rosh Hashanah Drush in 1939 by the Ish Kainish. We definitely, please, you have the booklet. I just want to show you that if you We've covered about 85% of this booklet of something that seems so far out between what Rabbi Lichter was privileged to take us through with the Gemaras and the Rambams and the Shulchan Aruch and the Mishnah Berurah and all the other stuff I'm privileged to learn. If you see now, if you go back to the first page that we learned, it was all about three aspirations that we had, the aspirations of Elul. And the bottom line was becoming sensitive again to Kedusha. If we had to say, what was the point of your learning in Elul? It was to become sensitive again to Kedusha. And we've seen, we've been privileged to see, through all, the tzaddik, through all the tzaddikim that we've learned from, ways to become sensitive again to Kedusha. And have the three aspirations. Does anyone remember them? What the three she'ifas were? I'm looking at it. It's a, you could look at it. It doesn't have to be. Behirat ha'sechel. Behirat ha'sechel. Right. Which, which, means, which means what? Clarity of the mind. Aspiring to have clarity of the mind. Yashu or something? Or, or something, yeah. No, 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 it was. Don't say or something. Yashu Salev. And then... Tahara Sachayim. Of having just... Pasha, Tahara Sachayim. Purity of life. Now, I just want to say something. Before we learn the Ish Kaidish, then maybe you think that Tahara Sachayim really means... Being a tzaddik. Right? Now, the Ish Kredish is the last person to, you know, that, that would tell you not to try to be a tzaddik. But the Ish Kredish is the Rebbe of the times, and he's looking at a world that they were living in then, that being a tzaddik at that moment, in their minds, was impossible because they had no shaykhs to their mitzvahs. What is being a tzaddik going to have to, what does that have to do with the Warsaw Ghetto? But in our, in our lives that we're in today, in 2017, most of us weren't born into families that didn't have all the hashpas chitzonias that can mamish completely not allow it. Uh, 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 how do I say this non-judgmentally? Um, say judgmentally. We weren't. Well, Yom Kippur. Uh, okay, it's on you. It's on our. I'm saying we weren't. We were born into worlds that our parents did the best they could, but it wasn't homes that were like, here's the path to become a tzaddik. You see that box? Don't ever look at it. The TV, right? You see all those hashpas that we're surrounded by and we choose to live in? Don't have that any effect on you whatsoever. Stay yashar. 
So we get sent to institutions that don't always align with the way that stuff we're taught at home. We don't know what's going on, who's right, who's on whose team anymore. And at a certain point in our adult life, we crack our hearts open and say, now we're bringing children into the world. What a bracha. Are we going to repeat a lot of these, you know, a lot of these confusing messages or not? Push it. And so we take upon ourselves, we say, we are striving to Megalim Malchus Hashem in the world. You don't have to be a tzaddik to do that. You have to just cry. You have to become sensitive to Kedusha. You have to have an aspiration for Tara Sachaim, for a general sense of spirituality of life. And I feel, though, that, that this piece of the Ish Kedush tied it up for us. You must enlist. You must enlist. Pasha. You, you, you have to say, I'm in. Like, Part of, the, part of the problem with the concept of modern orthodoxy is that there's no real enlisting taking place. I'm half in. Huh? I'm half in. Yeah, there's no I'm real... Here, yeah, that's not, but that's, we're done with that. And that's why it, it didn't really work in the world. You see, 95% of people that are doing tshuva today, they're not buying that. Where do they end up going? They're going to the places that's, that are saying, listen, you have to enlist, and they're saying it straight out. But what the Baal Shem Tov taught us is that saying you want to enlist can be done with a smile and with a l'chaim in the hand too. Saying I want to enlist is saying means I'm, I, I'm enlisting not like, am I in or am I out? I mean, I was like, no, I'm in. I'm choosing life. I'm in. I'm in it b'simcha. I'm in it. These yidin didn't have the chance to say I'm in b'simcha. We do. That's where it's all different. You know, that's where it's different. We choose, and, and this is the Indian, like I was saying before, in the Gita, it's enlisting, it's saying, I'm in for the whole year. I'm a Kabel, all Malchus Rhyme for the whole year. I'm enlisting. I'm saying, I'm in. It, and, and what it means now, you see, it doesn't mean you have to go home and only wear white shirts. That's the outside of it. In the Pnima of it, it's something completely different. It's that my day is filled with elokut, and I and I say to Hashem, please show me where it doesn't feel aligned, so I can now realign myself all the time. Let me become more sensitive to kedusha. Let me become more sensitive to it. Not let me rip all the people that aren't holy. Let me forget about others. Let me my own avoda. Let it be really one that becomes more and more sensitive to holiness. And if that's the way. This is already a, not, not really a pitch, but it's just explaining, personally speaking, what, what a dream would be for me. This sh- is, should not be Elul. This should be, this should be the learning of every day of the year, like this. The, what we've done here, uh, as a dream, would be to continue to build a platform based on the learning that we've been doing now, where you go through all the sugyas, you go through everything to try to reattach yourself to the source, because we're, we're, we're doing it B'Shem Kol Yisrael but then taking the learning on the level that we've been doing it and really going inside with it in a way that I hope I pray Be'ezrat Hashem has the strongest, strongest effect on our homes I said in the beginning of this man we should be doing the, our final day should have been like treating our wives to a spa or something because it's really I mean this is the part I'm definitely keeping on, on, the, on, on the recording this is their schus. 
I, my, my wife took, my wife did every morning since Rosh Chodesh Every Every morning, the four little kids, every single morning. I, what did I do? I woke up a little bit earlier and filled their water bottles. Come on. This, you know, it's a big, so, so I think the way that we, we, we take the learning here is that we realize going into Yom Kippur and Sukkot, it is all about our families. It is all about them. They gave us the privilege to become sensitive again, again to Kedusha. We must attach every ounce of our learning to Hakara, to recognizing that that was the Makor from it. And Be'ezrat Hashem Barach, we should be privileged. And the gates of uh, enabling a program like this on a very financial, tachlis level should be opened. It wouldn't surprise me if it's going to be very hard. Because always with Varm Shebekedusha, it's just the way it is. Whenever there's a new opening of a new kind of derech or something new that has a lot of potential, it's not going to be easy. But I think that if we're all enlisting, it'll make the, the effort much more concrete, much more, or feel much more, uh, what would you say, uh, tangible? Uh, what's the right word? Real. Tangible. Be'adeinu. Attainable. Attainable. So, um, that's it, guys. That's it. Shekaya. Shekaya to all of us. Anigun. May the Yeah.